No problem. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Video is awesome, life-changing. And uh, I'm going to just delay here for a second. Maybe just let it download. And uh, let me just, first of all, tell you about myself. My name is Shannon Hurley, and I'm from Uganda, Africa. I'm a missionary there. I'm not from, I'm a missionary from Uganda, Africa. Anybody know where Uganda is? Okay, awesome. Kids know. It's in East Africa. Actually, East Africa is fun because it was colonized by the British. Therefore, the official language in Uganda is actually English. And so if anybody's educated, they know English. So it's a really awesome place to do ministry for that very purpose. And, uh, and so when it comes to a missions trip, we're ready for you. Let me uh, as well. So I have my family here. Here's my wife here. Wave, honey. Uh, I told her, people when I met her that Shekinah glory was coming down from the piano on her. And uh, you could see why it's still coming. Uh, maybe I'm personally. Anyhow, but uh, here are my four children right here. Go ahead, stand up, boys. Wave. Come on, Emmett. So we want to bring a little color in the room, but we got our brother here. Come on, we like it. You know, I don't, I don't know if we're allowed to say that in a minute anyway, these days in America, but we're not politically correct. We're from Africa, so just blame it there. Uh, these are my two boys. I have six kids. Uh, three of them are adopted, and three of them are biological. And, uh, and so we praise the Lord for his kindness. That we, we have, we have, those are our legal children. We have, so we have illegal children as well. We have about 35 others we provide care for in our village. So, uh, so we feel blessed. And, and actually, in God's kindness and goodness, those will be the army of individuals that God will use in the future to advance the cause of Christ in Uganda. Should I let this continue or just, or just cancel it altogether? Or what do you think? Okay, I'll towards the end of the message, so I preach, and then we'll play it at the end, towards the end, okay, you got it, uh, well, it's a joy to be here, uh, David Harrell was my professor in biblical counseling back in the day, and so, uh, now, how many years ago was that, that would have been 20 years ago, uh, 2025, somewhere in there, and uh, he was my professor in biblical counseling, and so we're so thankful, it's a joy to be in your professor's church, and so this is exciting to be here. This morning, I want, to, I want to exalt God in a way that is awesome. Because I want his word to just come forth. I want his majesty to come. And the reason I want that is because we, I, I believe we will all feel the sweetness of him when that happens. And listen, I, we are living a day and an age which is crazy. And I want, to bring, I want to bring clarity to some of this confusion today. Because it's very easy to look out into our world today and think that, that things, and, and ask yourself, what's going on? A lot of all these politics. I live in Africa, and I'm thinking, my goodness, people were normal when I lived here. What happened when I left? People were like, there were boys, girls, and that's it. Now we've got all kinds of different scenarios. You cannot help but be a little bewildered as we look at what's going on. And I want to bring a little, confu- bring a little clarity to the issue. And I want to uh, arise, I want to see us arise and become encouraged as to how we look at it. But before we do anything, I want to ask God to aid us and help us. Can we go to him together? Father, I come to you this morning and I just want to say we exalt you. We want you magnified. We want you made great. So living God, we pray in your kindness and your goodness that your word would shine forth this morning. That your spirit would in a sweet way minister to the hearts here, Lord, and that we would be different. Lord, I pray in your goodness and grace that you would move in us and help us not remain the same. We love you, O living God, and I ask for your grace and mercy for me as I preach that your name would be made great and your word would be illuminated. For the praise and glory of your name we pray. 
Amen. I want to start by just Africanizing you guys a little bit here. I'm going to say my name is Shannon. I'm going to say hello. And you want to say hello. Hello, everybody. My name's Shannon. Hello. Okay, we talk in this place. I like it. And uh, if you guys are going to Tin Can Safari, let me see your hands raised. Let's see it. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Now, if you guys are inviting two other families to go with you, right, George? Come on. Two other families. If you're inviting two other families to go with you, I want you to raise your hand. All right, I'm not satisfied. At least one. Let's see. One other family to go with you. Let's see. Man, we need to get a little more radical in this house. Come on now. Tin Can Safari. Those who are godly will be there. Those who are not godly will stay at home. Is that all right? You know, I just, I don't know George very well, but I appreciate him because he taught me how to kill people, you know. Uh, and, and not only, but I appreciate this brother because uh, I could tell that he's putting this event together and, and does it out of his love for the Lord. And, and so thanks, George, for, for loving the Lord in that way. I told him he can come out to Uganda and, and take care of security for us. And uh, anyhow, it, it, it is a joy. And, and I want to interact with you a little bit just because I think it makes you more fun and it makes you guys make sure you're listening. People, I have a reputation, if someone falls asleep when I'm preaching, I sit on their lap. So uh, we don't want that to happen to you. But I do want to come and have you open your Bibles to Matthew 28 and take you to a very familiar passage, but one that I think we're not really understanding yet. And I want to bring it to life. Matthew 28, and we are going to read his glorious, authoritative word, and so I want to read it to you, and then I want us to jump into the message together. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Read the words of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, together with me. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make and make disciples of the nations, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My brothers and sisters, today in America, we have all kinds of issues going on. And many of them are hard to explain when you live in the system. But I have the privilege and joy of living outside of the system. I get to look at America from Africa. And when you look there, certainly you can see chaos. But when I look from Africa, I look having an understanding of what is going on in the country in which I live. You see, in Africa today, it is a pagan Christian society. Which means that even though there is a Christianity, it is completely living as if there is no God. Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. And nobody cares about what God says. It is the most, Africa is the most corrupted place that I've ever experienced. Everybody will go to church on a Sunday and talk about this God of health, wealth, and prosperity. And, and if you get in a car, act, car wreck and drive off the side of the road and you're bleeding to death, rather than helping you, they will take everything out of your pockets. 
and leave you. And in the African society, you, you don't get married, you shack up. You produce a, a badge of honor is how many ladies you can produce from, how many children you can produce from different ladies. And that's part of society. When a man is in the home, he is seen to be higher and more valuable. And he can beat his wife, beat his children. Why? Because it is a place where there is no God. It is a place where every man is entitled to think and believe what he wants. And there is no master on a throne ruling over the universe. It's a free-for-all. Then we go back and we look back at America. And when we look at America, we see a country that was founded by morals. Amen. You look at a constitution that, that embeds Christ in its constitution. And God is the center of that society. And all laws and systems of that society are biblically driven, biblically oriented because God reigned in a nation. And what made America work and what made Europe work was that Christianity and God changed the society. And as a result of that, there was morality. We have court systems that know good right from what? Let's try that again. Right from what? We have policemen that don't ask for bribes. They just write their ticket for your wrong behavior. We had prayer in school. We had God was the center of our society. When I grew up, even though it may not have been a Christian society, I don't think it was. Morality was present. My parents actually spanked me. We went to church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. You fast forward into the society in which we live in today, and everyone is now doing what is right in their own eyes. Church is no longer the norm. We have now limited church to what? One day. And to ask you coming to do a tin can safari, that's over asking. Back in the day, everything revolved around the local church. And if you don't believe me, let's go further and further east because you'll see a church on every corner. You say, well, why do we have a church on every corner? It's because people walked to church and everywhere you went was a what? A church. Today, the moral compass of our country is being lost. And we praise God that we got the judge who upholds the values of our constitution in power. Amen. But how are we to view this as a church? How, what are we to do? How did we get here and what is our responsibility are two really important questions before us. And I want to say in the outset, the problem in America is a problem of the church. Dear friends, when I read my Bibles, I realize that we are the salt of the what? We are the light of the? And the Bible says, and, and we know, I just came out of Kansas, and in Kansas they have this salt cavern. Well, they will actually store things in this salt cavern so that things can be preserved. And they realize that as long as salt remains salt, preservation will exist. The reason why we have the Dead Sea Scrolls today is because it was, there was this, because of God's destruction, it created salt everywhere, right? And that, in hindsight, is actually created preservation of documents that are very important to Christians. Well, salt, I was, I was talking the other day with someone, and someone says, hey, well, I actually work with salt. He says, I actually clean salt off the roads. He says, you know when we have to clean salt off our roads? 
I said, well, when? He says, when it gets dirty. Because when salt gets dirty, it no longer becomes what? Salty. And I said, wow, interesting. So when the church becomes like the world, it no longer what? Plays its role. And when we see what's going on in the society, we must feel something. Because we have failed to do our job and therefore the preservation of sin is no longer taking place. Because we as a church have become like the world. And that must become concerning. And as a result of that we have no longer are able to speak. There's no longer a moral conscience because God's name is no longer being made known. What is going on in the world today is a direct result of the church failing to do its responsibility. Because we care about being here on Sunday, but we don't care about anybody out there. In Uganda, I've had the privilege of going into a pagan society, seeing people transformed by the gospel. And Christ begin to reign. And you know what happens in a society like that? Sin disappears. Today we have a society that wants to know God, wants to love God. The drunkards are moving to the next village. Amen? Or they're converting, recognizing that they too are sinners in need of God and His gospel. I say all of this as a opening to us here because i think in many ways the church has become aimless directionless or just flat out stagnant in matthew 28 we find israel we find the disciples of jesus in a very unique situation and i think it is very much like it very, it, the message of Matthew 28 is very necessary to us here. And I want to show it to you. I want to show you four components of the text. How many? Four. Kids, how many? Kids, how many? Go like this, four. Not like this, not like that, but just like that, okay? Four. Four components. First, I want to show you, the first component I want to show you is the background. Everybody together, the what? The background. Look at verses 16 and 17. Here is the background. It says the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. It says in verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, and we'll stop there. Here we see the disciples are asked to go to a mountain. You say, well, wait a second, Shannon. What happened beforehand? Well, we know what happened. What happened beforehand is Jesus died on a cross. You need to understand what happens when Jesus, before Jesus died on the cross. Jesus went out and he had these disciples. These disciples followed Jesus everywhere. When Jesus got up, he says, we're going here. They went. They would hang out until Jesus said, let's now go here. And they'd follow Jesus for three and a half years wherever Jesus went. Now, they knew and they believed that Jesus was who? A little louder? Messiah. Another word for Messiah, that Jesus was the promised king of Israel. And they knew that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come and he was going to take over power over the nations and rule over all the nations. They knew that because that was the promise of the Messiah. That's what they believed, right? By the way, that has not yet happened, but we know it what? It will happen. It is to come. Anyone that doesn't believe that, Let's go back to our Old Testament. Okay. Now, they recognized 
that then, so one of the motivations and one of the driving motivations for them was this. They realized that he was going to reign and on, when he reigned, there was going to be a disciple on his right and disciple where? On his left. They were going to benefit. These disciples were not in it just for Jesus. That's why they are arguing over who's going to sit on his right and who's going to sit on his left. And so they were looking at this as to what they can get, what the way in which they can benefit. The truth of who he was and what he was doing was not clearly understood. Jesus comes and he sits on a donkey, comes just as it was promised and comes into Jerusalem. And what is everybody saying? Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Here he comes. Here comes the Messiah. Woo! Excited. And as they're excited, Jesus comes into the temple. He throws over the tables. He whips everybody and they're going, wait, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. Rather than cleaning out the nations, he's cleaning us out. What's happening? Next thing you know, he's what? He's on a, he's on a, on a cross. And what does it say over the cross? King of the, important to understand that. King of the Jews. Well, what happens? What happens to those disciples? They sit there in total confusion. They sit there having no idea. What do we do next? Where do we go? I mean, you can imagine following. He's now dead and you wake up and go, what, what, what do we do? So what do they do? According to John 21, 3, the disciples do what? They decide, let's go. Hunting, right? Let's go hunt. Okay, there was fishing, but this is kind of just trying to be relevant, you know? Let's go fishing, they said. Because they didn't know what to do. And here Jesus, somewhere, somehow, we don't know exactly when, but he says, listen, I want you to go to Galilee, and I want you to go to a particular mountain. We don't know what mountain that was. But here they're on a mountain. That Jesus had designated. And I want you to envision this. This pulpit is kind of like a mountain. Okay. So they're on this mountain. Maybe they're not all the way up. I think maybe they're midway. According to the passage. Jesus all of a sudden they what? They see Jesus. Boop. And according to the passage. There were two responses. One response was what? One response was what? Look at the text. Tell me. One response was? Worse, louder. What was what? The other response was what? Doubting. There were two responses. All of a sudden, they see him. And when some of them see him, they all of a sudden are changed in their hearts. All of a sudden, they're like, wow, there he is. I don't know what happened in their hearts, but I do know that some of them worshipped him and they worshipped him because he was the son of God. They worshipped him because he was the Messiah. They knew that this Christ just rose from the dead and he's someone special. He's someone glorious. We don't understand all but man and led to worship. I don't know if the spirit of God ministered in some way where it was one of those moments where all of a sudden, bang. You know, you're overflowing with just joy and, and praise and worship. You, you experience God in a new I don't know all that happened, but I do know that it led to worship. And I think it was glorious worship. I think it was awesome worship. One of those moments where you're like, give me Jesus moment. Where they just extol him and they honor him and they exalt him and they worship him because he was Christ the Messiah. Others, though, were doubtful. And I love the honesty of the Bible. And we can easily look at those guys and say, man, what was the problem with them? Those knuckleheads. You know what? Listen, Jesus, they saw die. And now he's before them. Would you doubt? They don't know what to think. 
Everything that's going on is so confusing. We know that by the time that Jesus rose from, ascended to the Father, that they believed, they all believed. But in this moment, Jesus comes, and he comes all of a sudden before him. And again, Jesus was in, out, in, out. They've seen him probably seven times by now. But here they see him, worship and doubt. I think what happened here, according to the text, I think Jesus went right past them, up the hill. Probably didn't even say anything. Went right past them and stood in front of them. Like this. Kind of like you are right now. See, verse 18 says, and Jesus came up. That means he was what? Down. So he came what? Up. And he what? Spoke to them. Which brings us to the second component of this text. The second component. And this is the declaration or the announcement. The declaration or the announcement. And my dear friends, I want us to hear this announcement. Many of you think you understand the Great Commission. And let me say, I think many of you don't understand the Great Commission. You may know the con- some of the ideas here, but I want to bring this to life. I want you to see the theology behind this Great Commission because it will change everything about your evangelism and it'll change about your parenting and it'll change everything about how we live our lives and can perceive our lives and our existence. So I want you to see this very clearly. He declares these words and I want you to say it with me. All. Everybody what? All what? All what has been what? Given what? Say that with power. All what? Oh, come on. We're getting it. All authority has been given what? To me. In heaven. And on earth. Jesus comes here before them and he powerfully declares... And I think he said it like this. All authority has been given to me on, in heaven and on the earth. Listen, what is he saying? I mean, what kind of declaration? Who speaks like this? It's one who has been made the king of kings and lord of lords. You see, these men, they wanted Jesus to be king of Israel. And Jesus comes and says, listen, I'm not just king of Israel. I'm now king of all kings. I am now the lord of all. Notice he says very clearly, all authority. Not a little, not some, not most, but what? Say it louder, but what? All. All. May we never forget it. May we never forget it. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must what? Because all authority belongs to him. That authority that is in heaven, that authority that is in the earth, Everything. You say, Shannon, what do you mean by authority? That word authority is to be in charge, to have control, to have power. What he's saying is, I have been made Lord of all. All power now belongs to me. I am in charge of it all. I am now in charge. Say, well, who made him in charge? Well, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 makes it very clear who made him in charge. It says, for this reason, God, the Father, highly exalted him, the Son, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of every knee will what? Every of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Amen. Amen. And. What is going on here? What is happening? 
Dear friends, at this moment in human history, God is declared by the Father, the Son is declared by the Father to be the King of all kings. He's been given a position far above any earthly position. Say, Shannon, well, how did this happen? Well, look with me in Daniel 7. Daniel 7. Turn your Bibles. Let me hear them. Come on. Or turn your phones, whatever you do. <laughs> Daniel 7. Here we get great insight into what's happening. Daniel 7, look with me in verse 13. It says these words, Daniel 7, 13. I kept looking in the night visions. And behold, with the cloud of heavens, one like what? One like a, what was Jesus' favorite term on earth? Son of man. Why? Ding, 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 ding. Because he was pointing everybody to this passage right here. One like a son of man was coming. And the son of man came up to who? The ancient of days, that is the father, and was presented before him. And to him, that is the father gave to the son, was given what? Dominion, glory, and a what? And a what? And a what? And a kingdom. Get that word. Christ was given a what? You say, well, what's the kingdom? Well, he's made king over what? All. You know, why, why was he made king of all? He tells us that what? All the what? All the, talk to me, all the peoples and all the, and men of every, might what? Might what? Might what? Might serve him. Might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be. Oh, dear friends. The words given by Jesus Christ here is I have now by the ancient of days been made king and been given the kingdom of the world. It now belongs to me. Why? That men of every language might what? Serve him. Understand the background. Understand the theology, because when you understand that, you'll understand the command given to the disciples. Listen, there is a love affair between the father and the son that we don't even understand. First Corinthians 15, 24 to 28 reveal this love affair. The father gives the son the kingdom. The kingdom then the son then comes in his kingdom and he gets all things to bend the knee to him. All things. And when all things have been made in the subjection to the father, the son rather, he then takes that kingdom and he turns it right back to who? The father. That's what's going on in human history as we speak. My dear friends, my fellow Christians of Nashville, There is a truth here that must be etched. And, and for your good, I want to etch it into your hearts. For your, for your good, I want you to hear it. And that is the truth that God is the universal king over this universe. He's the king. He's the king. He's the king. And that must drive all of our worldviews. Listen, we talk about worldview all the time. But at the center of our worldview must be the reality that God is the, God is the king. Oh, your kids must know that the reason they bow their heads and fold their eyes in prayers because God is the what? The king, never, ever, ever, ever forget it. And the problem we have in our society today is we've forgotten we're doing whatever we want with no realization that God is the king and that his ways are the best. His ways are the what, kids? Best. 
We've forgotten that. Somehow because of legalism and, and some of this stuff like that that's come in where man they took God off the throne and put themselves, we have said, oh, that his ways aren't best. My dear friends, that was because man got in the place. But the truth is that God's ways are best. And when we do everything to follow him, when we fear God and walk in his ways, we will be what? Happy. Woo! Let me tell you, God has made this universe for the purpose of us being happy. And when he made the Garden of Eden, he made it that we might be happy. Enjoy the garden, just obey me. Man says, I, I want to be like you. I don't want to just obey you. Okay. Israel, I brought you together. Listen, obey me, blessing. Disobey me, cursing. Because as they obey and there's blessing, then God is what? Made great. Could Israel do that? No, they wanted a king like all the other nations. Rejected God as king. Jesus comes himself and says, listen, blessed is the man. Isn't that what he says? Blessed. The the Beatitudes, what were they? Blessing for those who knew him. And what did man do to him? They were so rejecting of his supremacy, his lordship over them, that they nailed him on a cross. All of human history is the demonstration of God's passion to reign in the lives of people. And all of human history is man rejecting his rule for their own shame and sinfulness. Jesus will return. He'll return in the millennial kingdom and he will reign. And there will be what? Peace on. And we will live in the eternal kingdom. Notice the word kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. You want to know what the center of this Bible is all about? It's all about God reigning as king. And today he comes to these disciples and says, listen, I am the king. Now, church, what are you to do? Follow me. Obey me for your what? Good. And for my glory. God's passion is for our joy. And our passion, and, and we find joy when we do it his way. The declaration of God is I am now king. And, and I want you... I want you, brothers and sisters, to allow this truth of God is king, we are his servants. God is king, we are his servants to drive you. Let it be the center of your minds, the forefront of your minds and hearts and and the compulsion of your inward beings. And may it return to be the truth that drives our society here in America. You say, Shannon, why? Why should that drive us? Well, look with me now at the part you know about. Look with me in verse, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Chapter 28, verse 18. He says, verse 19, rather. He says what in verse 19? Everybody, come on, look at the verse. Don't look at me, even though I'm good looking. Go ahead and look down. What does it say? Verse 19. Keep going. Go what? Let me help you a little bit here. Okay, I'm going to play with your brains, all right? First word, ultimately, is therefore. In light of this truth about what? Me, therefore. In light of who I am, therefore, I have a mission to you. Who are his disciples? You say, wait, wait, no, this is written to the 12 disciples. Ah, 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 hold on. This was written, told to those 12 disciples. But listen, he says, I will be with who? You, when? Always, even to the end of what? So this wasn't just to the 11 disciples. This was for every disciple after that till the end of the what? So this is just to you as well. And in light of who I am as king, in light of who I am as king, everybody, in light of who I am as, therefore, I have now instruction for you. And therefore we go, so you see the link. The truth about I, who I am 
now relates to the command in which I'm giving you, which is the third part, the command. The third component is the command. I, therefore, want you to do something. You say, Shannon, what does he want us to do? Well, we look at the verb. Anybody know what the verb is? Ah, not go. Keep looking. Make what? Disciples. You wouldn't know that just by looking at it, right? Make disciples. And then he has three participles of, and the participle describes the verb, how we're to do it. I want you to make disciples. How do I want you to do it? I want you by going, baptizing, and teaching. Everybody, I want you to go, therefore, go and what? Make. And I want you to do that by going and now pause. What does it mean to make a disciple? This is an imperative. That means it's not, it's a demand of God, the king of kings, who is over you, on you. And what is that demand? To make disciples. Give me another word to make disciples, because that's like a theological word. It's all weird and stuff. Let's get it, bring it down. Here we go. What does it mean? Huh? Okay, a disciple is a what? I'm listening for the word. Here we go. Keep coming at me. Ah, and it's the godly woman to the right over here. Uh Uh-huh. A what? Listen to me. See the connection. I am. I am. Now go and make. Ah. You didn't say disciples, did you? Go and make what? You see the relationship. You see the relationship. I am king. Now what I want you to do is go into all of the world and make what? Followers of me. Why? Why does God want us to go into the world and make followers of him? It's because he loves his creation and wants their good. And good is when we follow the king. That's when good happens. And he wants our good. So he says, go into the world so that they're not aimless doing whatever is right in their own eyes. Go into this world and help them follow what? Me. Dear friends, the commission and the truth of the gospel is God is king. And our, our, our mission is to get all people everywhere to what? Follow him. So that they can have the blessing that we have had in America in their own country. Great commission is go and make followers of Jesus You see, Jesus went around, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, what was that gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is I am the the king. Follow. Not only follow me, but you need to surrender everything to what? To follow me. Today there are debates of lordship. My friends, lordship is not a debatable issue because the gospel is that I am transferring you from the kingdom of darkness into what? The kingdom of your son. And if you are a servant of the king, you follow the what? That's the gospel. The gospel is I'm repenting of my sin, of serving myself as master, and I'm surrendering to you, King Jesus, and to follow you in what? All things. Because you're the Lord. You're, that, well, that's what we say. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is what? And believe where? In our hearts. Your friends, the Great Commission is a commission to you. It's a command to you to tell the world that Jesus is king. Tell the world that Jesus is king. You say, well, he tells us how to do it. What does he say? First, you need to what? 
go. Pause. First you need to what? Sorry, what? Go. Oh, church, you need to go. No wonder they're not, the world's not changing. It's because they're not coming. And we sit around here waiting for them to come in these doors. Let me help you understand. They're not what? They're not coming. You say, why aren't they coming? Why? Because they are buried in their sin. They're wrapped in their sin. Sin controls them. It controls their thinking. It controls every part of them. They're not coming here. You need to what? Go there. You need to go there and you need to bring them here that they might learn what the king has to say. Oh, dear friends, you look at a tin can safari, that is the greatest opportunity for gospel. Because they'll go to tin can, they'll shoot things up because they got all this anger in their hearts, right? But we got to get out to the world and we got to go. Listen, let me help you. Come here, my brother. Come here. I'm going to really tick some people off here. Let me help you see what a sinner's like. This is a sinner right here. According to my Bible, they're wrapped in their what? They can't get out. They may want out. Try and get out. You may want out, but you can't what? They may want to come. Listen, I believe that even sinners may want to go. The problem is never wanting to go. The problem is the ability to go. They may hear your truth. They may know your truth. They may want it. But they can't do it. Why? Because they're caught in their what? And the only thing that can save them from the sin is the gospel. That's the only thing. Christ through the preaching of the word of God. And listen, dear friends, will you go and see them here? Will you see them here? Do you not realize that the, re- the very Democrats that are pushing their agenda are people who are bound in their sin? That's why it makes no sense to us. They need Jesus. And that means you need to go to them and bring them. And you go to them with what message? There is a... So we can't do whatever we want. I sat there in, in, in uh, Kenya. I was in Kenya in the airport talking to some lady. We're talking politics because I just like getting controversial. And I was amazed because we were talking about this whole it thing. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, this is weird. Like, how can we see things so drastically different? The difference between her and I told her, I said, you know the difference between you and me? I see there being a king. And I do things all in accordance to his ways. For you, there is no king. You're the king. And you do things according to your own lust and your own passions. That's the difference. But see, you can't expect them to do anything different. They don't know the king. According to this passage, we need to go. Go to them. The thing that's burdened my heart I had my family in the church every week who went to teach them the truth. Nobody. They were in the church and unreached. As I drove around last night in in, uh, Nashville with the cool cat, Dave Hoffman. He's a cool cat, you know. Like what a Christianized pagan society. Because we talk all about Jesus, but Jesus doesn't reign over anything. It's not changing their marriage. It's not changing their parenting. It's not changing anything. Well, that's not Christianity. Christianity means Christ reigns. There's going to be a day when life will be so sad because people will realize that a prayer never saved them. 
That Jesus didn't come to get them to say a prayer and confess their sins. Jesus came to rule over their lives. And a true Christian is one who changes his lifestyle. He's one who follows after Christ. He's one that observes all that Christ has commanded. And to not change your lifestyle is not to understand what the very calling of Christ is. Christian is someone who surrenders his life to follow after Jesus as Lord or as king it means we wake up and we then say lord what do you want me to do as a husband to my wife what do you want me to do as a daddy to my children what do you want me to do as a mommy to my children what do you want me to do with my life i'm a wife should i be what role should i play should i be the boss or should i not all of that comes out of what god's word you see and we're to go into the world and then when we're to go we're to what Baptized, we're to get them to die to them and live to who? That's what Christianity is. We're to go and then we're to go and then we're to baptize, die to self and live to. And the third thing we're to do is we are to then what? Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20, please, for me. We're to what? Teach them what? We're to teach them to what? Not to hear. Notice that. Not to hear. We're to teach them to what? Observe all, all, all that I have commanded you. See, we are so content in us just hearing the truth. But the gospel and the mission is not just that you hear it, but that you all what? Observe it. You say, well, wait, today, can we say that we're just all saved by grace? Let's just talk about our being saved by grace. No, listen, we're saved to obey. A gospel that doesn't have obedience as part of it is not a what? Because the whole mission of God is that we may enjoy his good earth. While and through obeying what he has said. I had a friend who went to college with me and he was in counseling for his marriage. And I said to my friend, I said, friend, let me ask you a question. If you take all that Jesus says for you to do as a husband and you do it, do you think your wife will be happy? Answer, yes. If your wife takes all that she's supposed to do as a wife and you think you'll be happy, answer, yes. God made marriage. He knows how it works. And when we help people follow him in all areas of our lives, they find, listen, joy. Obviously, we've lived in America long enough to know the effects of women working in the workplace. Where women, this short period of time in their life, they go and they decide that they're going to work and have a career so they can make their name known, just like the world. And we've seen enough of that to see that how many mothers now write and say how I wish I would have dedicated my life to my kids. And there's regret. God's way is what? God's way is what? Yes, there's legalism, but again, remember, legalism is not following the king, it's following man. As parents, you want to be great parents? The Bible says three things. Spank, don't exasperate, and train. You do those three you'll be faithful and give God the rest. Problem is we add so many rules onto these things, don't we? Dear friends, the great commission is to make followers of Jesus. Let me make that practical to you really quickly because I'm burdened. Parents, it means you teach your kids about Christ being what? In everything. My kids, when they disobey before they're saved what i'll do is they disobey and i say son you need jesus look look at your sin you need what you need jesus son the only thing that can set you free from sin is jesus please i don't like spanking you then when they get saved and they're fighting with their brothers i say look at kids what does jesus want you to do what does he want you to do He wants me to love my brother. So son, as a servant of the king, will you what? 
Love your brother. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Son, go be a servant of the king. And you know what they find as a young kid is his way is best. And I would even say as parents, be careful that they can distinguish between your word and the word of Christ. I know you want them to stop jumping on the bed. Kids, go to bed and stop jumping on the bed. But that's your word. They need to submit under you as their authority, yes. Sometimes you just need to go in there and realize that you were a kid once, and what did you like doing when you were a kid? Jumping on the bed. So go in and jump with them. And then say, okay, we've jumped. But now listen. Mom and dad have said this, and you need to obey us. So I want you to what? Right? We are shepherding them to do the greatest thing in the world, follow Christ as king. It's so good. I told you in my testimony that I didn't, I was so afraid of marriage. But I came to Psalm 120. It says, if I fear God and walk in his ways, I will be what? Happy. My wife will be a fruitful vine, my children olive plants. Let me tell you, Every day I reap the benefits of Christ reigning in my home. And he reigns, listen, in all things. I'm not just following him in some of the things I like, but I'm following him in what? All that he's commanded. And that means I have lived this life of devotion to this book right here because I want to know what the king has to say. And I want to follow him in what? Because his way is best. Your friends, in a society like ours that is running away from God and is wanting to live after the lusts and passions of his flesh, when you tell them you, those passions aren't good, they may get mad at you. So that's why Jesus gives us the last component when he says this, and behold, I am what? With you. Always to the end of, literally he is saying here, I am. He's saying, listen, behold, listen. I, I myself am with you always, even to the end of this age. That's his message. In Uganda, I'm a missionary. What's my mission? My mission is to go into a small little village and tell them there is a, to have a primary school and raise these kids to know that there is a, and teach them to follow good King Jesus in every area of their life. That's my job. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a bunch of pastors who aren't married, we're going to get them married, and we're going to teach them to follow Jesus in their marriage. We're going to follow Jesus in their parenting. We're going to follow Jesus in every, every area while living it with me in SOS. And when they get that figured out, we're going to send them out to establish churches to make followers of Jesus in those societies. And then what you're going to find is Christ is going to start reigning over villages. And when he starts reigning over villages, he's going to reign over cities. And when he reigns over cities, he's going to reign over nations and you know what people are going to have a lot of fun and a lot of joy god so loved the world that he sent his son not just to save us but to help us know that his way is best i don't know what's going on in your marriage today but as long as you're yelling at your wife it's not going to make you why don't you try loving her? Loving her as Christ does the... Why don't you try and follow Jesus in all areas of your life? Chief end of this book is about kingship. Salvation is how we get into this kingdom. Chief end of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy Him. We glorify and we enjoy Him by serving him as king forever.
May you bend the knee to Christ for your good and for His glory. And may you go baptize and teach everybody that Jesus is King and make them followers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your message. Lord, I have sought with my heart, at least you know my heart. I've sought to proclaim the gospel of your kingdom. And Lord, I want to pray that you would take the message and that you would burn it into our hearts that it would change everything about us. Change the way we live. Father, and I pray too that you would enlist them into service. Lord, that that this church would be filled and we would be burdened. We would be broken. We would be exasperated in our own hearts that, that people are not here. That we would stop just worrying about the day to day and that we would worry about your name and your fame being known. We would love our neighbor by bringing them under your supremacy. For the praise, glory, and honor of your name we pray. Amen. We pray you've been edified by this presentation. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Jolton, Tennessee. For more information on Calvary Bible Church or for more audio, please visit our website at cbctn.org.